and shut the front door, we are joined by Alexandra Dolly, founder of Dolly Design, a multidisciplinary design practice based in London and Surrey. Having spent years working in property as a relocation agent, Alexandra took her combined love of houses and people, deciding to retrain at KLC School of Design to follow her passion for design. Alexandra is one half of the United in Design founding team, a charitable organization set up to tackle the lack of diversity in the UK design sector. Married to Gareth, a mum of two daughters, we are delighted to welcome Alexandra to shut the front door today. Welcome, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me, Arlene. It's a pleasure to be here. And where are you as we speak? Are you sitting uh, in uh, your office? Are you working from home? I'm trying to visualize where you are in this very moment. I'm actually in my front room at home. Okay. Um, I'm having a an, an admin day today. So uh, I've been on the road um, for the last couple of weeks and running around various projects and events. And so, yeah, today I'm having a, I say it's a relax. It's a relax with the laptop. Um, so I'm still I'm still working um, but yeah I'm just sat in my front room I know I so know those days I, I have those days they're not often but I love them actually you kind of feel like you're having a day off but you're not really you know technically you're still plugged into something somewhere exactly in your home I understand and um, how old are your daughters so I've got two girls so Ava is 13 she'll be yeah. 14 in December and then my little one Zara she will be turning 11 in November. So yeah, 10 and 13 at the moment. Wow. Okay. So they're in school at the moment. They are in school. Uh, very happy to be back in school and sort of having some semblance of normality to their education. So yes. And, and I am sure you are too. It's all good for everyone to be able to return back to to a normal kind of life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it was lovely, uh, you know, all of us being together, even though it was in, you know, quite trying, um, you know, sad circumstances, but uh, yeah, they needed to go back. And um, yeah, the juggle was real when they were, (laughs) they were at home and we were still trying to work and um, do homeschooling and stuff um, like so many other families it was it was tricky but uh we got there you it was, got there it was okay yeah yeah it's going to be something like when we look back on this time in 20 years from now it's just going to be like how did we all survive this it was just it's incredible really how we've all come out of this well please god we will continue to come out of this soon yeah indeed indeed so i would love to chat with you if i may about your first memories of your home can you share a little with me of your first memories of home Oh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I so my mum had me and um, we we lived with my grandparents, actually, because um, my mum was a single mum and we lived with my grandparents until I was about seven. And it was just such a lovely family um, environment, very cosy, um, lots of sort of patterned carpet and alleglipta wallpaper. And, uh, yeah. you know, the sort of, it was just a really lovely place place there was always lots of food on the go and um just a very comfortable family home I mean it wasn't you know um massively designed shall we say but it featured all of the pieces I suppose that meant a lot to us as a family and and had sort of um you know, wonderful memories attached to them and linked to them. And so therefore it, it just felt like a really lovely, safe, comfortable place. Um, and then um, my mum saved really hard and was able to buy a home for she and I, um, a little tiny two bedroom house, um, which was really, really sweet. And 
and it was it's kind of a new build I suppose at the time and she furnished it beautifully she has such a wonderful eye um which obviously I didn't realize when I was seven but now I can look back and really appreciate the pieces that she chose and I know one of the key pieces was a was a black ash g-plan circular dining table with matching chairs and I just remember, I, I mean, obviously it was it was a beautiful, beautiful piece of furniture, but I kind of remember at the time just thinking, gosh, this is so different to what my friends have got who all sort of had normal sort of oak and pine tables. And then we have this sort of quite out there black ash table. But I really appreciate now that sort of mum was quite forward thinking, I think, and even in what she wore and, and things, um, she was, she was, she was quite, quite the design buff, I suppose. Um, And so, yeah, so we were there and then we moved again um, into sort of a much bigger house. And then I then moved out and um, met my now husband and we kind of lived in a few flats in London and then bought a house uh, back in 2006, a little two bedroom house in Streatham. And that was really the first house that I had owned, which I was able to sort of add my own stamp and personality on, I suppose. So we renovated that after a few years. And yeah, that was really the first kind of experience and and sort of dipping of a toe into into design Mm, that sounds exciting and before we jump to that I wanted to ask you do you remember how your teenage bedroom walls were decorated can you bring me back to that oh definitely so I had like a high sleeper with Mm -hmm. a sofa underneath which I thought was like super cool um and I had um so what did I have I had yellow walls and so I went for a yellow and blue theme because, I mean, now I realize that those colors work really well together. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't realize at the time. I think it was just sort of probably luck of the draw. Um, but yeah, I had almost like buttercup yellow wall. So it's quite bright. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, blue accent. So I had like a little blue sofa and bedding um, and posters of various boy bands. I think it was like New Kids on the Block. That was a phase. <laughs> and then I think I had Boyzone on my wall. That was another phase that I kind of went through and then yeah. kind of moved on to some more sort of rap and hip hop in my sort of early teens. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was a typical kind of teenage girl's bedroom. Yeah. And so when did your passion for for interiors begin? Um, I think now I look back, I was always the child that drew, you know, the house with the four windows and the door in the middle and the white picket fence. And, you know, I always and I had a doll's house. And so I always loved home, I suppose, and changing things around and moving furniture around and playing with those sort of things and, and playing house, I suppose, as a child. And then um when I I met my husband when I was 19, so I was quite young. And then I moved to uh, London because I used to live in Wales. And so, so I grew up in Wales and then he didn't want to live in Wales. So I moved to London. And so mm-hmm. my, the first job that I got when I moved here was in an estate agency. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was just doing sort of admin in the estate agency, but I worked across the whole of South London. So I was kind of like a mobile um, receptionist or admin assistant for about 12 different offices so I learned to drive and so I kind of moved around all the way from Acton right the way down to Dulwich so I got to know London really really well and 
I was always amazed by the architecture that I would be passing. And obviously working in a state agency, you get to see all of these houses and things. So that really sparked my interest. And then I became a property relocation agent. So I would do home finding for expats Mm -hmm. um, who moved to the UK, work for big companies. So again, I was always walking through amazing properties in sort of Virginia Water and and on the Wentworth estate and things like that. So that really sparked an interest. Um, And then, as I say, buying our own property, renovating that. I watched every single design show that was ever on television and <laughs> I have I mean I still have just boxes and boxes of magazines yeah. that I collected that are scattered across my garage and my loft so I, I just always loved it and then I had my girls and um, I, I went and got a job in a school because I just felt like I just needed something a little bit more kind of low-key I was working really long hours at the relocation agency but I still love property and 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 that is when you know my husband just said Alex you know I think you can just do more for yourself um you love property why don't you go back and and retrain and study um and that's what I did gosh what a story and so tell me about your college days yeah so um I didn't actually go to university when I left school I just went straight in and worked but then um and just got lots of work experience which I think is sort of yeah like myself yeah yeah it stood me in 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 good stead really and lots Mm -hmm. of life experience and for sure and then because I had my children, like I was quite young, I was like 24 when I had my my first daughter. And and so just just generally just always just had jobs, but never had like a career, I suppose, that I was really invested in and passionate about. And so I went back to, well, I went to KLC. I, I kind of researched design schools within London and I, I had no links to, to that particular school, but that all the reviews were very positive. And so I went and I, um, I sort of did a, a few introductory courses and then I, I undertook a certificate course. And yeah, I, I mean, on that course, I found it so inspirational. I would go in um, to, 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 the, to the school and just to be surrounded by other creatives, beautiful portfolios and bodies of work, plus where it was situated, which is in the middle of the design centre in Chelsea Harbour. So, you know, yes. at lunchtime, we would go down and have a look in some of the um, showrooms and things. And, and I had a fantastic tutor on that course called Evie Dunbav in Hands. And I was the the student at the front of the class who always had their hand up and was super keen. And she was almost like, does anyone else have a question? <laughs> other than than Alex um but she could tell that I was really really keen to learn and I think because I was older as well I was sort of 31 32 yes I think you know for me it was like a second second chance I suppose a second chance to do something that I really really loved to do so I was really keen and at the end of the course she just said you know what Alex I know you really want to do this would you like to come and shadow me in my design practice um, for a couple of days um, a week just to get some experience. And obviously I jumped at the chance and she was so open and willing and willing to share of her experience, good and bad, because obviously you you need to to know about the, the, the mistakes that were made and the rough times so you can try to avoid those pitfalls if you can. And it's all part of the journey, but, um, yeah, so I did that for, for, for quite a while. And, you know, she and I are still incredibly close. But, you know, I very much credit her with giving me 
um, the additional kind of skill set, I suppose, and the business acumen and the practical skills and the confidence to be able to to set up my own practice. Gosh, that was very lucky. That was what I would call a lucky break, actually, for you. That was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so how would you describe your own personal style? Um, so I'm very, very drawn to sort of Bauhaus modernist kind of architecture. Um, definitely, you know, the form follows function and I like contemporary clean lines, um, you know, curated pieces, um, not so much clutter. Uh, I love a neutral kind of background, but I, I also always interject lots of then sort of color and pattern through you know furniture pieces or artwork and soft furnishings and things um and you know a lot of bespoke joinery um making sure that everything has a place within within the home as well i i i like to feel and and also create very um sort of ordered spaces i suppose not minimalist but just so that you can I, I mean, I walk into my own home and immediately feel quite relaxed because, mm-hmm. you know, there's everything is where it should be. Everything works well, functions well. There's really good flow and um, all of the colours kind of speak to me in, in terms of what I want my mood to be, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's quite, I suppose, holistic in a way in terms of how I want my clients to feel within the space. I kind of try to always lead with with that because I think then that, just you know the whole the whole scheme and the design will will come from 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 that exactly and your daughters do you think you can see a little creative spark in them at this age oh definitely they're both incredibly creative i mean ava is a dancer and she um, has trained at the Royal Ballet School and she does contemporary dance. She's, she's part of a contemporary dance company and is very, very creative in that sense um, and loves drama and things. And then uh, Zara would love to be an architect. Um, she wow. is an absolute whiz on the Lego. Um, and I love the fact that she will, she'll take time to make it as it, as the instructions direct, but then she far more prefers breaking it down and then creating her own thing. And she spends a lot of time on Sims, creating her own little worlds. And, um, so she's, she's very interested in, in, um, in architecture and building as well. Excellent. I, I love that, that they're so lucky now that they have you as their mom to be able to guide them. You will become their mentor probably now for them and their careers. Yeah. I mean, I'm very much one of the mothers who's like, you know, this is your journey and this is your task. And as long as you're happy, I'm very supportive of whatever you'd like to do. And, you know, I will give you, um, you know, all of the tools that you need to be successful in whatever, you know, whatever path you want to follow. Um, and I think it's very important for them just to find their own way. Um, we throw loads of stuff at them and have done since they were tiny. And we're mm-hmm. very much like, let's see what sticks and keep doing it as long as you love it. The minute you fall out of love with it or you don't want to do it anymore, then that's fine. You know, move on to the next thing. Yes. I have my little two-year-old, I can see has a definite creative flair and she loves yes. painting. Fantastic. I know and drawing and it's so exciting to see that because she really wants to do it. Yeah, I know it's great. I think if they yeah. can have a passion um for something, then it's then it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the magic begins. Mm-hmm. And so you are the co-founder of United in Design, which is a charitable organization set up to tackle the lack of diversity in the UK sector. So this is just 
incredible. Can you tell us how the organization came about and your hopes for it all as we enter 2022? Yeah, so it all started last year um, after the murder of George Floyd and, mm. you know, the sort of worldwide kind of outcry and spotlight was well and truly sort of firmly back on race relations and um, the injustices that, you know, people of colour face you know, day in, day out, just going, mm. uh, you know, along with their, their everyday lives. And, and obviously, you know, in industry and in business as well, and the disparities um, that feature. And so many companies within our industry sort of spoke out and put black squares on their Instagram. And, you know, it was it's very evident within the sector that, you know, there's a distinct lack of diversity and inclusion. But I couldn't really see anybody taking taking action because I, I I just felt like this is a moment in time where we can really garner the the mood and the feeling to make actual change. So I didn't know anybody really within the industry at a level where I felt could really make an impact. So mm-hmm. I just reached out to them on Instagram. I just sent them lots of messages. Anybody who put a black square on, I sent a message to and said, look, I've got an idea can I run it past you? And they, you know, all said yes. So I had um, a really, really fantastic meeting with Hatter Bing and David Nichols um, from House and Garden. And I pitched my idea, which was, you know, the fact that my daughter had done ballet and she got into ballet because of an outreach program that was run by the Royal Opera House and the Royal Ballet School to bring ballet to communities that maybe wouldn't have normally considered that. As, as, as sort of an art form for them to follow. So I knew that community outreach worked. You need to go into these communities to say this is a, a, an option for you. And also my own experience of mentoring and how positive that had been. So I kind of had these two ideas and I pitched and they said, this sounds great. And they said, oh, well, we've actually had similar conversations with another designer called Sophie Ashby. And I didn't know Sophie. I knew of her, but I didn't know her personally. And they just said, look, I really feel like the two of you have got some fantastic synergy. Uh, you know, let, let us sort of, you know, form an introduction. And so they did. And we chatted, Sophie and I, via Zoom, because it was in the middle of, of a lockdown. And, and she and I just hit it off. And so we very quickly realized that in order to fulfill what we wanted to achieve, it would probably need to be a charity. Neither of us had ever run a charity, nor had we ever thought of running a charity or, or setting mm-hmm. something up like this. But we felt very strongly that somebody needed to do it. And, yes. you know, why not us? We, we feel very passionate about it. And, you know, if, if it's passion alone and drive then we've got this. So uh, we very quickly kind of got together a little group of trustees and the steering committee and Mm. people that were on our same wavelength and just wanted to make a change. And we have seven pledges um, and companies and businesses and individuals need to commit to three of those seven pledges. And they are things like uh, to always make sure that you're um, hiring practices are fair and transparent and, you know, they reach a wide net and, you know, you cast the net wider and you don't just recruit from the same places all the time because then you just get identical applicants, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that, um, you know, that all of your marketing is is also diverse and that, you know, it, it speaks to lots of different sort of genders, cultures, um, race, etc. cetera. Um, 
And then there's the more practical things such as mentoring, offering to be a mentor to somebody. We have a fantastic apprenticeship scheme. So this past year, we've had five apprentices. And the idea of the apprenticeship scheme is that we have four companies and they're put into a pool. And then they provide three months of training to that one apprentice. So that one apprentice will then come out with a year's worth of experience across four different companies. Mm. And they're paid £22,000 for the year, um, which is prorated across the companies. I think it works out £5,500 per company. So it's for the companies that we've got involved, you know, that's a, a very manageable amount of money. Yes. And the apprentices are you know, getting this fantastic year's worth of experience, the networking opportunities to work in four different practices is just invaluable. Um, And they are doing so well. I'm just so proud of them. The talent Mm -hmm. is just ridiculous. I mean, they are so driven and so focused and so talented that they just needed the opportunity. They just needed to somebody just yes. to open the door. Um, I've not needed to do anything else. None of us have needed to do anything else because they're very much they're, you know, they're they're on their own path and they know that they've got this year to really grasp hold of and, and go for it. Um and I'm I'm just so happy to report that they are absolutely flying. Um and they're doing so well. So, you know, we've got plans for our youth outreach. Um element of of the program and I think the whole idea of the charity is that it's it's a pathway and it's bookended from start to finish so you know we we will be talking to young people and putting on events for young people to really push a career within the creative sector to young people so that we're capturing them young and then as they move through their journey and we're able to offer support with you know education and things like that we're able to offer support through mentorship when they're on their courses and when they finish their course we're able to offer them an apprenticeship place and then when they finish their apprenticeship placement in a few years if they then decide to want to go into business we also have sort of like a business hub as well where they're able to access help and support um, and advice in how to set up business um and things so it's very much a we you know it's holding a hand I suppose yes. from start to finish that is absolutely amazing well done that really Thanks. is um in, in my company we have a team of over 60 employees from countries and backgrounds all over the world so we really you know that creative mixture of different cultures and what they can all bring to the table and for us it's just been so key in our growth yeah no I totally agree I mean every, I mean I go to visit the apprentices at the midway point um through each of their placements and all of the businesses bar none have said you know these young people are changing the way in which we look at our businesses the talent and skill set that they're bringing in it has far outweighed our expectation Mm -hmm. um, of where we we thought a graduate um would be um and so a lot of the time it's just for businesses to open up their minds Mm -hmm. to a different type of applicant if you hire from the same places all of the time um you will most likely get an identikit um applicant because a lot of the design schools that um you know these these more high-end sort of um, design practices hire from they are incredibly expensive i mean i know one design school you know their fees are you know about eighteen thousand pounds more 
um, for the for the course than a sort of a normal sort of BA yes. course. So that automatically cuts out a huge swathe of people that just cannot afford to go to those design schools. Mm. And so if companies are only then hiring from those design schools, then yes. you're missing out on a huge amount of talent that are actually in the normal universities. Um, so it's just about opening up that recruitment. Yeah, no, excellent. I love it. And have you branched out outside of, of the UK at all? Have you spoken to other countries in Europe or do you do you see this growing? And Yeah, we would love for it to grow. Um, we have had um, conversations with people in South Africa. We've had pop conversations with people in America mm. who would love to take it over there. Uh, we've also had conversations with, with other industry within the UK. So fashion, art, jewellery, because what we've created is, is a model that's quite easily replicated across other industry and in other countries as well. I think the beauty of it is in its simplicity. Um, it's essentially people giving of their time and opening up their their doors to to, to new talent, and that is basically that's basically it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we kind of orchestrate everything on behalf of all the businesses, so there isn't really anything that they need to do um, other than they wouldn't be normally doing with a normal internship, if that makes sense. It's just that we're giving them this whole pool um, of new of new talent. So, yeah, we would love for it to 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 grow and for it not just to be within interior design. I mean, we purposely called it United in Design because this is an issue that exists across the whole of the design sector, if not all of the creative sector, if not all across most industries so um you know i think it is something that other industries could look at and 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 work with us and and try to model yes you just seem so strong and and confident where where do you get your strength from where do you think that comes from within you um i just i think probably my mum i think she's um she's a very very strong woman herself Mm. Um, you know, she raised me on her own. She worked incredibly hard. She was always very, very driven. Um, she has such integrity in everything that she does. And she, you know, she will always fight for what is right. And she will always call out anything that is not as it should be. And, um, which, you know, sometimes doesn't make people popular, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to, she's always taught me, you know, Alex, you know, you put your head above the parapet and you speak out in a, in a way that will make people listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very mindful that, you know, we have to have uh, dialogue. We have to keep the conversations flowing. You can be firm, but fair. Um, and so she's always kind of taught me that. And I, I really, I think if you believe in something, then, you know, it's having that courage and conviction, isn't it? It's, you know, I, I believe so much in what we're doing and, you know, I, I adore my business and I love my business and my business is growing. And that for me personally is fantastic. But I, for me, you know, the legacy will definitely be the charity because, you know, I can help hundreds of people. We can help hundreds of, of people and, and really change the face of, of an entire industry and, that to me is is um you know far more special than anything I could kind of achieve from 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 myself from a personal standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you work a lot with families. So what do you find are the key elements needed when devising a design plan for a family home? Um, 
I love working with families. I think they're probably my favorite clients because there's so many different sort of facets and things that you need to to to, to look out for. Um, I mean, the mo- most the the biggest thing the family say to me is, you know, things aren't functioning well. We have a lack of storage. Um, storage is you know is is key um or and at the moment as well it's like the whole privacy issue as well so everyone loved open plan living didn't they and you know yes. i'm a big fan of open plan living but god i can't tell you the amount of walls of i've put back up <laughs> last year i know and, you know i'm dividing spaces back up again because people you know they like to be all together and have a space where they can be together mm-hmm. but you know people are really valuing their privacy as well yes um and so i think with families it's it's about listening to each individual what their individual needs are and then trying to create a space within the home that speaks to those individuals so so everybody feels included within the within the home um materiality is huge as well for families obviously it depends who's in the family, whether they've got pets, et cetera, et cetera. But most families want materials that are going to last, that are hard wearing, that obviously look beautiful, but that mm-hmm. are practical as well for family life. And to incorporate a design that will grow with their family as, as you know, as their children grow or, you know, their needs change. Um, you know, so it's, it's about having the the foresight to to be sort of installing designs that, will will grow with them um as well and we can't forget our little furry friends either we cannot i mean i have two cats um (laughs) who are basically like just additional children they are so spoiled i love them so much um Mm. they pretty much have the run of the whole house like Mm. i don't mind where they go they do sleep downstairs though but um you know, they've scratched some of my furniture. You know, they're pretty good. They are pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm not too precious about it. I'm, you know, they are part of the family and it's nothing that can't be replaced. But, um, True. you know, you do have to be mindful in terms of the materials you're going to put in. And I think you need to be a little bit more relaxed if you if you have pets, you know, don't be putting any in anything that you're going to be devastated if um, exactly if, Still if a claw or some drool uh, goes on it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I get asked all the time, um, you know, about that with pets. Um, what what can I do? I have a dog. I, you know, what can I do? I can't have this rug. I want this fabric on the sofa. And so, yeah, it just makes that, that project a little more challenging when you have to consider the, all those elements. Definitely. But there are ways around it. There are. There are. Wipe clean surfaces put a zip in everything, washable fabric, yep. make sure the loop is not too big on any carpet or pile of rug and, you know, so they can't be pulled. And Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So throughout the uh, pandemic, well-being has been at the forefront of all of our minds. Do you feel that good design can bring a feeling of contentment into our lives and how we, we live our lives just generally? Oh, hugely. I mean, we... Um, so we actually renovated the house that we're living in now in 2019 and we built um, a garden office mm-hmm. and the whole house was, was, was complete and finished and, and beautiful. Mm. And then obviously 
we were, we moved in in the November and then in the March it was, you know, lockdown. And like, I remember just saying to Gareth, oh my gosh, you know, the power of, you know, hindsight, but this house definitely kept us sane. Just the whole aesthetic, the fact that it was really, really ordered. We knew where everything was. There was a space for, we had obviously the dedicated office space at the back, which meant we could continue working away from home. The girls had desks in their rooms. We had another kind of workstation that I built in the in this sort of open plan kitchen area. All of the colours were really kind of calming and stuff. Yeah. We had loads of plants. We had the garden done. And I was like, this is why it's so important to create like a sanctuary in your home. Yes. Because we, I mean, who would have known that only a few months later we would have just been in this house for all of those months. Um, I know. But, you know, I I mean, all of my clients, well, most of my clients lead with, we need to change this house because it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. So it's always about the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, they never say to me, oh, it's this colour, it's this couch, it's this, it's this room or this house makes me feel a certain way. So I don't think it can be understated the power of good design and how that has a direct impact on your sense of well-being. Um, it's really, it is really, really important yeah. that you create a space which allows you to 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 work, to function, to live, just to breathe. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. Do you feel that the pandemic actually enhanced your business? Did your did your phone just start ringing more than ever before because people were spending more time at home? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most people within the sort of residential sector has seen a huge uplift in um in, in inquiries and, 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 and work, you know, we spent months looking at four walls. Um, our homes needed to function in a way that they've probably never needed to function before in our lifetime. And uh, suddenly it was like work, school, recreation, gym, um, <laughs> you know, all within the space that, know. you know, a lot of the time you would get up, you would go to work, you would come home, have your dinner and go to bed. Yes. You know, suddenly you were in this space with your family all of the time that's a huge shock to the system and all those things that people were maybe putting off doing and all the things that weren't issues before suddenly were like staring you in the face yes i know i've been reading a lot about broken plan living um which i i think i've just been kind of doing that anyway for years but it seems to be like a new thing i'm sure you've been doing it for years as well Um, i'm a huge fan of broken plan because i'm a huge fan of options yes exactly it just gives you options to close spaces down open them up you know it, it just works really well yeah but that like a lot of people have benefited from that that maybe didn't have it before, perhaps just lived in kind of open plan spaces. And then suddenly they needed to identify their space, you know, where, if, for example, where their teenagers could do their homework. Where's yeah. that space? Or yeah. could they have their space to maybe do a workout or read a book or do their work? You know, it was just a nuts. It was a crazy, crazy time. It was. It really it was, was. Very challenging. But we all yes. got through it. Hopefully. We did. um and so what what were the other really big challenges you your business faced during the pandemic apart from working at home 
Um, I think obviously in the first wave, construction was stopped. So that meant any projects that we were working on, we needed to to sort of just shut the sites down. Um, Supply was a huge issue and still continues to be a massive issue, actually, in terms of materials. Um, the cost of materials has just gone through the absolute roof. So Hasn't it? It's just it's crazy. Just so awful. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost having to say to my clients now, when we give, because um, we used to give a quote um, for the build, because mm. I do design and build, so we, we manage everything from concept mm-hmm. to completion. So we would give a quote and you know it would that would be the quote whereas now we're having to say actually i need to give you an estimate and yeah. because the prices of things are moving you know so so quickly and you're almost having to factor in a contingency yes at the start for material costs i know not at the end i know um, so it's a totally different way of working and and just the expectation setting for clients as well you know totally. it's obviously you know you want to be able to fulfill what you've said in terms of the time and the budget but you know from from day one we're now needing to say Do you know what we're going to work really really hard to to achieve this for you however you know there are you know things at play which are totally out of our control mm-hmm. and we just have to ride it out and see what happens um but i'm just pre-warning you there may be a few you know bumps in the road <laughs> to say the <laughs> least and i find uh, and it's really hard because a lot of our clients just want it all done at a, you know for a certain special occasion or at a certain time and you're trying to just do you know promise them that that you know delivery date that you could maybe two years ago but it's just all changed now it's really really hard there's so many variables and things are changing and your supply chain is not what it used to be and it's just really difficult yeah i mean so much so that i always have a project every year that runs from sort of september to christmas like that's just you know we finish our summer and then we do a nice little project for maybe like 12 weeks and this year i purposely did not take one on Mm. um because we always say well we'll be out by the 6th of december and then invariably i'm still there on the 23rd of december (laughs) trying to dress the house around somebody's christmas tree um and i just said you know what i'm not actually going to do that to myself this year because it's always stressful anyway Mm. without now adding all of these supply chain issues in and i couldn't confidently say to those clients we're going to be out of your hair for christmas so i was like it's not fair to them it's not fair to me and so i'm literally winding up a project um next week Smart and then girl. that's me. That's me till January. <laughs> <laughs> you are a smart girl. It's on you. It's I've tough. been I've been bitten before, Arlene. I'm not I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so hard because you've got people saying, "Oh my God, we're ready. We're ready now. Let's do it." And you know, when you're meeting them, you know, and some of these conversations have started in July. You just know it's not going to happen, and you're trying to manage their expectations, you know, at that point, but they're already visualizing Christmas trees and candles lit. And, and you're like, Oh God, there's so much to do before now. And then. So, yeah, because there was the whole spike over here with the, um, so the stamp duty holiday thing. Yes. So lots of those properties have obviously now completed. And so they're all desperate to get started on their, on their oh, renovations. Yeah. And I'm just having to say next year, 
We just need to do it. We just need to do it next year. You will not be in for Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe Christmas twenty two. Yeah, uh, but not exactly. this one. Well, that's what I call proper management of expectations, right there. That's really that's great. And did Brexit have an, any kind of uh, big impact on your business, or how have you found that? Yes, it has because my wonderful, wonderful contractors are from Poland, mm-hmm. and they they are they are fantastic. I mean, I you know consider them to be family, and they they're wonderful. However, um. The core group, the core group has stayed. But if, you know, if we need to recruit more, um, you know, more trades, it's really, really hard because uh, lots of people have, have, have gone back home. Um, and obviously supply as well of things. I, I, I talk about supply again, but with the whole lorry driver shortage and stuff. I mean, yes. we used to have, even with our trade accounts where we have next day delivery, that's not guaranteed anymore. So, you know, because they just don't have the, the drivers to, to bring the products to site. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing a, a direct impact and on the cost of materials as well. And, you know, we're having to now source nearly everything from the UK, which is fantastic. And I would I would much prefer to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we used to have you know, tiles and things coming from Spain and Italy and, and yeah. um, you know, we just can't do that anymore. So we, and fabrics and things from abroad. So we have to be quite mindful now to, yes. you know, is it British manufactured and does that company hold stock? Yeah. Um, and a lot more companies are holding stock now. So it's mm-hmm. changing the way in which they're working as well because they didn't use, the, you know, they used to make to order or just have very, very small amounts of stock. Mm-hmm. But now to keep up with with demand, they're having to take on, you know, a whole uh, a whole nother lot of, of, of risk, I suppose, by mm-hmm. holding stock. But that's the only way that they're, you know, they're going to be able to fulfill the orders. That's true. Or uh, we're also finding in Ireland that a lot of the fabric houses we would have dealt with in the UK, like there's certain colours that everyone's reaching for. And yes. They are the ones that are just always out of stock. Yes. And it's just super challenging. So I just yeah. think they need to bulk buy. They probably everyone needs to review the way their business model is working. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah. And a lot of UK companies, I think fabric houses are moving, you know, uh, additional factories out into Italy or Poland or other countries in, in Europe just to give them that safeguard to keep things moving and flowing. Yeah. Because it's it's just been tricky. It's been it a tricky has. transition. It has but, been a very tricky transition in the way, you know, and, you know, you're... I mean, we as, as as interior designers, we have our preferred suppliers exactly. and, and the go-tos, which you could always depend upon. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they're trying their level best. Um, yeah. It's not a bad thing, I suppose, because you do then need to open up your eyes to other suppliers. True. So it's, True. it's not, you know, and I've, you know, I've found some great new products and, um, and things you know, from 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 doing that, and, and I know just by but, default, you're like, hey, yeah, this by is default because you have to. So yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's all it probably you know, there's, like they say, there's a silver lining in every cloud. So indeed, it is. So tell me, what has been your favorite project that you've ever worked on to date? <gasps> oh gosh, that's <laughs> so hard. 
know. Because every single project I do, I go, oh, this is my favorite. I know. I <laughs> and then know. the I next know. one's the favorite. But tell me, what makes it the favorite? Is it the people? Was it the journey? Was it the project? Like, even define that for me. I feel like every project is then my new favorite because I feel like I've pushed myself more yes. in each project. So I can see growth in myself as a designer in each project. Mm. So, you know, I always try to do something a little bit different or try a new technique or try a new material. Um, I can genuinely say all my clients are lovely. Um, I've been incredibly lucky because I know that isn't always the case, but my clients are very, very nice. And we always have a lot of fun mm-hmm. when we're working on the projects. Um, I think sometimes the ones that give me the most pleasure are the little teeny tiny ones. So the small flats, which, you know, are tricky, maybe the angles are a little bit awkward and, you know, you couldn't really foresee what you could fit in there. And then you have to design multifunctional furniture and, you know, those challenges. I see that as a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes as well, working with like tight budget. I know that sounds ridiculous. Yes. You know, if somebody has, you know, stacks and stacks of money, then obviously there's a lot more choice. But when somebody's working, you know, still got a good budget, but this is the budget. Yes. You have to be really inventive Mm -hmm. um, with with what you can do and the materials that you're using. Um, So I think those are the ones which give me the most joy because those particular clients will never expect that that budget or that particular property could ever look like it does at the end. I know, I know, I know. And do you find that it's even more challenging sometimes, though, when the budget is bigger? Yes. Yeah. Because there's so much more choice. That's right. That's right. (laughs) There's so much more choice. And I think people are able to change their mind on things and switch Mm -hmm. it up and whereas Mm -hmm. you know when the budgets are smaller you can say look this is actually the very very best that we can do for this budget and they're always absolutely thrilled yeah um and for me it's about getting that phone call six months later from my clients because we all still keep in touch and they'll always say you know god what a change change the way we live kids are so much happier wife so much happier um (laughs) and it's just those practical things and how they're using the space um and sometimes I go back and I visit them and they'll have added things to it and then that's nice as well because you can see how they're personalizing the space as well um yeah that's lovely yeah and I'm sure you get this I'm sure you get um asked this question all the time but what do you find easier did you find designing your own home easier than your clients or your clients easier than your own home? Um, I found designing my own house easier. Okay. Um, because I'm the client. Mm-hmm. So I know, I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I, so we lived next door to this particular house for three and a half years. So I knew this house inside out when we, when we bought it. And um, I had a whole folder of exactly what the house was going to look like, um, all the materials, all the colours. I mean, God forbid, if anything had happened to me, this house would still have looked exactly as it does today because it was was mapped out to the last minute detail. Um, And so for me, when I design for myself, there's like, there's no compromise. Does that make sense? For me, I'm like, I can do what I would like to do and 
you know, I don't need to, yeah, I don't need to compromise. I don't need to curtail my vision in any way. Um, and I'm very lucky that um, Gareth is, you know, we've got quite similar taste anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like quite masculine things mm-hmm. and colours and things like that. And, and he is, you know, the same, likes clean lines. And so he very much lets me just get on with it, um, which is good. Yeah, what's, um, your, what's your star sign? I'm Capricorn. Oh, me too. Oh, fab. I love it. And when we when what's your date of birth? Fourth uh, of Jan. Oh, I'm the thirtieth, thirtieth of December. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all winter. Yeah, like, we're all winter, winter like, babies. It's really strange. Like my whole family's winter. So like Gareth's November, and so is Zara, and then Ava's December, and then I'm Jan. Whoa! I know, so... and my mum is November, and oh, yeah, my mama. my brothers and sisters they like all that end of Gosh. you know. So my, yeah, yeah, my step my step brothers and sisters are all kind of that end of the winters or autumn winter babies yes so but you're you're quite headstrong then so you are quite decisive oh god yeah i am decisive and um yeah very decisive i would say <laughs> well i'm working on um <laughs> i know so like, how much do i say i'm working on taking direction uh-huh. um, my husband says i'm dreadful at that I'm dreadful at being told what to do mm. um and that's something i i probably do need to work on it's to be honest it's the reason why i changed my business model because i used to do design and just design and sort of hand the design over to the client and then yes. just pray and hope for the best that they executed it as I wanted them to. And I just wasn't getting any satisfaction out of that at all. And so I changed and pivoted so that I did design and build mm-hmm. um, purely because then I could have control over the whole process from start <laughs> to finish. Um, and it's a hell of a lot more work. But for me, it was, I yeah. know how this is going to look. I know the quality. I can control the process for the client and the totally. service that they're going to get. And at the end of it, I have a project that I'm really proud of that is beautiful, that's going to enhance my portfolio as well as being the best yeah. project for the client possible. Yeah. Um, but Gareth will definitely say it's just because I wanted full control over the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like I bet you just know when you know and you know when something's right and when something's wrong so when you when you know something is absolutely the only road that that client should go down and they're not sure or if they if they disagree with you how do you handle that I just feel like if you could have done this for yourself mm-hmm. I wouldn't be sitting here you know you obviously feel in yourself that you know this is too big a project for you you need a professional so I want to work with you this is very collaborative yeah I'm going to advise you from a professional standpoint and I will never put anything into your home that I mean I always live like I would never put anything in here that I kind of wouldn't be happy to have myself in my own property um in terms of the level of quality and finish and things like that so that's how I approach the each each project and I mean I'm very like I'm a very friendly person anyway so and I always say to them you know ultimately this is your house this is your home I'm just here because I have the training and the professional expertise to make this the best house it can be Mm -hmm. but you know this is a journey that we are on together yes so we need to have open dialogue you know Mm -hmm. you need to tell me what you like what you don't like what we need to tweak here and there because I want you to walk in at the 
the, at the end and go, oh, I love it. There's nothing I could change because I'm going to leave and I'm going to go back to my house and you have to stay here. So I need to know that you love it. Exactly. But just trust me. Just trust me. It's my job to push you a little bit because I'm going to see things that you wouldn't have seen. I'm going to see potential in things that maybe you wouldn't have picked up on. Um, but just let's just go with it. Let's just go with it. And um, I promise you it will be exactly as you want it at the end. And do you carefully select who you work with? Are you, do you, like, are you part of that, you know, or, or do you, are you very open to working with everyone and anyone or are you hands-on on who you work with? Yeah, like my clients, um, it's mostly like organic reach. Um, lots of people contact me via Instagram and then lots of people will just be word of mouth or recommendation. My tutor, the first thing she said to me on the first day that I went to her practice was... Alex, don't be afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. And that has just resonated with me because like she said, you spend a hell of a lot of time with these people for months and months and months. And so you have to have a good working relationship with them. And so when you have the initial consultation, you know, just go with your gut. If something's niggling you, then just listen to that niggle because most of the time you're right. So it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not afraid to kind of say no if I feel like either we're just not a good fit together, the client and I, or maybe there's something that is just not sitting with me in terms of their expectation, married to the budget, married to the time frame. You know, is it is this yes. going to be problematic? Mm-hmm. Um, because I do this job because I love it and it's so much fun and I'm really passionate about it. And yes, it's hard work and it can be stressful sometimes, but like don't put yourself into the stressful situation before you've even started. Yeah. I mean, if you can see that it's going to kind of turn out like that then you know run for the hills yes 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 (laughs) exactly yeah no for sure I hear you um and tell me something is going green and being more sustainable something that you you think about more often these days yes definitely partly because I live with Gareth and he his job is to build renewable energy power plants around the world. Wow. So that is his profession and he's done it for many, many years. And so like my house has got an air source heat pump. We've got no gas at all. We feed back to the grid. Um, and, and so that is, is, is you know, sustainable agenda is, is huge. I'm starting to use a lot more um sort of antique pieces and starting to try to find things that we can reuse and upcycle and reupholster and you know Mm -hmm. so that we are cutting down on kind of wastage and stuff like that looking at eco paints and um, materials and um, sustainable materials and yeah I think it's clients are wanting that as well Mm -hmm. clients are a lot more savvy in terms of their sort of footprint on the earth um, and environmental impact so I think it's important I think everybody has a part to play in that and I think in interiors it is quite wasteful so if we can you know start looking at the materials that we're using um, even on a project just to include you know a few of those pieces and sort of build up over time it will you know it will all have a positive impact at some point for sure and in all of your travels which architect has inspired you the most and why? Oh my goodness. Do you know what? It's a dream of mine to go to Falling Water, mm-hmm. um, to go and to see, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright's yes. work. I I just love that whole movement. I just 
it's like, you know, it looks really simple, but you know, it was really, really difficult to achieve that level of serenity and simplicity. And, you know, all of the, you know, I was reading um, a fantastic article about Paul R. Williams as well, who was a black architect um, who worked in sort of, he was born in like 18, I think it was like 1894 or something. And he lived over in um, Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and he learned to draw upside down so that his white clients, yeah. So his white clients didn't feel that they needed to sit next to him because obviously at that time there was like huge segregation and things like that. But some of his um, properties that he built in America are just so beautiful in LA and just that whole kind of aesthetic is just, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, he's somebody that, um, as well that I've sort of almost like recently discovered, I suppose, but, um, looking at his work and also the time that he lived and the struggles that he faced to break into that, um, you know, profession. And tell me what is your most preferred part of the entire design process which which part do you absolutely love um hmm. i love just walking into a space and just seeing the possibility straight away you know that initial spark yeah. you know when you get the initial i can see it i can just stand here and I can just see exactly what it's going to be because then I just want to rush home to my computer and just get it all down and kind of just see it come to life on the screen and um yeah so just having that I think the initial spark to and and I think that's something that most designers have is that yes you can see the the finished goal even as you're walking out of the initial you know meeting you can see the, the potential in that property so I love that bit I also oddly love the rubble stage. <laughs> the rubble stage describes I like do you know what I like going to site. Um mm, me too. to see the progression. Mm-hmm. Like I like you know, the bigger the rubble pile, the more um progression there, <laughs> there is on site. You know, That's we're true. getting you know, we're getting there. I like to see the workings of it, the steels going in, because I like the architecture side of it as well. Mm. So I like to see how the reimagined space is going to really improve that family's um way of way of living you know putting in the the huge windows to increase the light and yeah stuff like that so like I like the fundamental sections of 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 the process as well and then obviously the dressing and stuff is fun at the end but for me I like the kind of real crux the crux of it yes exactly when when you get into the dirty parts of it you know yeah exactly when you can really see walls being knocked down or built being built up or yeah you see the big open space and the shell you can visualize it even from shell stage i can really visualize a space yeah because for me that is what makes the difference to people's way of life it's not you know it's not the the soft furnishings and things like that those are just like the really nice pretty bits at the end which you can switch out it's actually the, the the fabric of the building yeah yeah no i get excited about that too i love going to dirty building sites as well and getting my hard hat on and my boots oh it's the best i visited a site recently and the roof wasn't on and the client was just like horrified by the state of the place but i loved it and i I was really able just to imagine where the light was going to come in and how it was going to come in and how they were going to live in all of the rooms at different times of the day it's just fab i love it yeah it's the journey it's just like the the whole journey Yeah. yeah i love it i love it too and so tell me what is your favorite place in your home 
Where do you like to sit, um, have a phone call, read a book? Where would you go? I spend, I would say, 90% of my time in my open plan, kitchen, dining, living area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It has a, you know, it has floor to ceiling glass right through to the garden. Um, I just love it. I just sit there. The doors are always open. My cats come in and out. I get to watch all the wildlife. I very rarely go into my office. Um, Gareth normally works in there, but I tend to work at the kitchen island or at my dining table and just, yeah, just, it's just such a lovely, light, open, airy space um and so that's probably my favorite place um and I never have the radio on and I don't I don't I tend to not have any any noise it's just very quiet and very peaceful um yeah I love it there is that just so you can hear your own thoughts is it is that does that help you kind of get more clarity when you're working to have that peace and quiet yeah I just I think life is just so busy isn't it I'm just surrounded by noise all the time the minute those kids come through the it's um yeah it's quite noisy and I think I I was an only child until I was sort of 12 when my mum remarried and um we I had then stepbrothers and sisters so I'm very used and like my own space Mm -hmm. and being on my own and having that peace and quiet um and often I don't know I have this ability just to almost ignore everything that's going on around me as well which much to my family's annoyance sometimes but <laughs> because I will be working in their kind of space and anything could be happening you know things falling down and clattering but if I'm if I'm in SketchUp for instance like any you know the world could be falling around and I'd just be I'm well I'm in SketchUp you know I can't I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 drawing a prophecy so I just get so immersed in it yes that's amazing that's great um that yeah but I do I do like the peace and quiet I do yeah yeah well also you know people get lost in social media and that's just been like a huge force in everyone's lives and everyone's homes and how does social media fit into your life and into your family's home well funnily enough I had a meeting this morning because I need a new social media manager because I don't enjoy it um I'm not very good at it and I'm the first to admit that and so I do need somebody just to take it over um and and deal with it for me it's you know obviously it's part and parcel of what we do it's an incredibly important tool for us um with not only the charity but with work as well um I use it for for those purposes um my kids are not allowed to be on social media um much to my 13 year old's slight annoyance although when she then sees all of her friends having massive fallings out because of it she then thanks me for keeping her away from it so she's quite a sensible girl really but um you know we we try to keep it to a minimum I do get no lost down a rabbit hole um in Instagram and things like that and I, I'm trying to now, or I'm going to try to kind of put my phone in another room. Um, it's, it's hard to do that. It's, hard it's to so hard that. because I actually quite enjoy having a little scroll yeah. um, and seeing what everyone else is doing. And I find it actually quite inspirational as well. Yeah. Um, to look at other, and well, my Instagram is just basically full of interiors. It's really boring. Um, and everything I watch is with regards to interiors and building as well. So um, my friends yeah. are always like, oh, you know, lockdown, Netflix and chill. Did you watch this? And I was like, no, I watched, 
you know, for the love of kitchens by Duvall. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I just watch home programs all the time. But yeah, I do. I need to spend less time on it probably. Um, yes. But it, it is a fantastic tool, mm-hmm. but I'm not the best. And so I will be handing it over to somebody else. And what one piece in your home holds the most special memories for you? Um, do you know what? That's actually a really, really difficult question because I gutted this house. And so everything in it is basically like new. But I have got in my front room, I've got some beautiful sort of African statues that was was given to me by my mum, but actually her mother gave them to her. Um, so they're really lovely pieces. I also have my I also have the my, sort of a teddy bear that I had when I was born and my husband has his teddy bear when from when he was born and my That's daughter so sleeps my daughter sleeps with them every oh. night on her bed so she has those. Um so it's like those sort type of things and I think you know like all of my photograph albums and of my grandparents and things who were sadly passed away and you know, the people that we've lost, I think it's those things that hold most value to me as opposed to, you know, pieces of furniture or artwork or anything like that. It's, it's, it's anything given to us or relating to, to family, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's really, it probably has to kind of connect with you emotionally, really, to be the most special thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, if you were having a dinner party mm-hmm. and you could only invite four guests and they could be from anywhere in the world, even people you've never met before, who would they be and why would you pick? Them. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> okay, so oh wow, I would definitely invite. Mm-hmm. I would definitely invite. Well, how many people did you say? Four. Four. Okay, so Michelle and Barack. Oh my god, me too. Just because I, I just felt. I mean, I literally cried when yeah. he was inaugurated. And Me then too. I just, and also in a really weird way, and this is like actually quite personal, but when I had my daughter, my second daughter, and we didn't know that she was a girl, and I had her and I said to Gareth, oh my God, what did we have? What did we have? And he said, oh, babe, we're like the Obamas. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm high on perthazine. Like, what is this? <laughs> I just didn't get it at all. But he was like, no, we've got two girls. And I was like, oh, right, okay. That's um, so funny. So, you have two cats. I think they just have a dog, so. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I think that probably is the only link, tenuous, tenuous link, is that we both got two girls. Um, but, yeah, I would love to invite them. Then I would also love to invite, oh, my goodness, who else? Anybody in the world. Dead or alive. Yeah, anybody. Okay, dead or alive. So who would be around my table? Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, so maybe um, Flojo. Okay. I know that sounds really random, but I used to run. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to run. I used to run for Wales, and I used to sprint. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to sprint. And so for me, again, she was like, I would watch her like when I was little, and like she was like 
I just wanted to be like her. I mean, yeah. I wasn't obviously in the end, but mm. yeah. So she was like, like inspirational in terms of, you know, what she did in athletics because athletics was actually a massive part of my life when I was, Gosh. until I was like 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And then mm, who else would I love to have around my table? And who would gel well, like with Michelle and Barack? You got to consider that, but they get on with everybody. This is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know this is so hard because there's so many people to choose from. And I feel like, um, okay, maybe I would invite somebody like, I mean, Oprah is a good one oh. because she, she just knows everybody and she's just so interesting. And I yeah. think she'd have loads to say. And I know that's a really fun. weird mix of people then. I mean, no, she's not weird mixed with, but you know, no, obviously. But she would be um, such a giggle. She would be a really good giggle. I mean, you could literally have her, Gail, and then Barack oh, and that's Michelle. just the dream to have <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the dream and then Beyonce would come and like sing for us and then oh you know, my god please invite yeah. me oh I could just have Aretha and the old greats come and yeah oh that would what, be a, what a wonderful dinner party yeah um, it would be me. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, um, I would say to my younger self, just to, just to go for it. Just to don't second guess yourself. Um, you know, have that courage and, and that drive and, you know, don't be afraid just to push yourself out of your comfort zone, I think. Um, yeah. and just to do things that really make you happy rather than trying to please other people or fulfill what other people's expectations are of you. You. Um, because until you really, you know, address what makes you really happy and fulfilled, you never kind of will be. So, and just like, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's good advice. I have one little uh, segment, which is called the quick fire round of questions. So it's one or the other. Are you ready? Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. Okay. Tea or coffee? Oh, tea. Open plan or broken plan? Broken plan. Bath or shower? Shower. Giving or receiving gifts? Giving. Text or talk? Talk. Sunrise or sunsets? Sunrise. Cat or dog? Oh, cat. City or country living? Country. Home or abroad? Mm, Abroad. Site visits or office meetings? Oh, site visits. Books or digital? Books. People or places? People in places. Good answer. Interior design or architecture? Ooh, um, ooh, that's hard. Architecture? Yeah, okay, good answer. And my final question is, Michelle or Oprah? <gasps> no! <laughs> actually, actually, Michelle. Just Michelle rules, and she's a Capricorn. I just love, I just love that woman Me too. so much, like her her grace, her poise, her mind. She's so, she's just fabulous. She just just knocks it out of the park every time. Oh, she's just, you know, you just, you cannot help but be inspired and motivated by looking at that woman in the way in which she conducted herself during those eight years mm-hmm. is, is is just something to behold. For sure. Here, here. I love her. Mm. So I, I look forward to doing another podcast with you after you've met her. I feel like I need to, yeah, she's, she's on my kind of bucket list and <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to be manifesting that. You should um, reach out to her. Like, oh, you're society, you should. I feel, I feel like 
like I should. I feel like when we we have some huge event for Uniting Design, I'm going to be like, do you know what, Michelle? I need you to be here. Yes, you do. Do it. Do it. Do it. I know. I know. But you know when you just know, like if you meet like your idol, I will just be like, <laughs> be like oh this is alex like i'll just be like w- unable to even speak oh i just um, think she will admire you as much as you will admire her so don't even worry about it <laughs> i've got a little way to go still but you know she's uh she's she's right up there and oh, uh, she is i think she would get behind something like this and so would oprah actually they probably would i mean the thing is i always like it like to aim high anyway so i'm yeah. like why not why, why, why should why should we not reach out to them? Especially if we franchise it over in America. 150 billion percent. You have to do it. Yeah. So watch this space. I have absolutely loved chatting with you today and would like to wish you every success in the future and I'll be keeping an eye on you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's been a pleasure to uh, to chat with you as well. And um, yeah, it's just like a nice like little catch up with friends, isn't it? Just, yeah. Um, yeah, That's very nice. That's what's on. We get to learn loads about you as well. So it's been really interesting chatting with you and thank you. For chatting with me today and for taking the time out of, to chat with me today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy Bye. your day. Take care. Bye. Bye.